Hi, this is Mark at the Mark for Glory podcast. Our mission is to educate, empower, and inspire those with different abilities while helping them to build better relationships with their caregivers, friends, and family. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Wendy Wallace, who had all of her limbs amputated due to a flesh-eating bacteria. We'll talk with her about her journey, her challenges, and how her condition has um, made her change her perspective on life. So stay tuned. Welcome, Wendy. It's nice to finally talk to you. Hope everything is good. Thank you, Mark. I'm excited to be here. Everything's great. Okay, thanks for taking the opportunity to speak with us uh, today. I just have a few questions that um, so we can let people get to know you and uh, hear a bit about your story. So what I usually like to do is start at the beginning. Tell us a bit about um, where you grew up, uh, what your, I guess what your early life was like um, and get into a bit of that if you would. Sure, um, I grew up um, on the outskirts of Cleveland, Ohio and I met my husband. We traveled a little bit and we ended up in New Hampshire where we're currently living and have raised three children. We're empty nesters. In fact, just this past Saturday, we buried our second son, our firstborn actually, but um, have our first grandbaby. Um, I have been a stay-at-home mom right from the get-go with our first child. I always had a business from home and uh, had done a couple of things, but mostly had a long-term business. And it enabled me to stay home and be the mom that I wanted to be and raise our kids um, and raise them to see mom working hard and chasing her goals. And so um, when we ran into this health issue that I had, my kids had been prepared. They understood what was necessary to run a home. They understood that goal setting continued. And, you know, I am so thankful that at the time they were teenagers. So uh, I also taught them to cook and to, you know, be independent. So they were able to help me when I couldn't do the things that I needed to do any longer. So uh, it sounds like you were pretty active and had a busy life. Um, so let's talk a bit about that health issue that arose. Uh, how, what was that all about and how did it impact things at the time? Well, um, like I said, the kids were teenagers and everybody had a different activity. And it was in one of those activities, I had taken my son to 
um, one of his um, weekly meetings and I started to feel like flu symptoms. I also had an unusual swelling in my leg, which was really weird because we're all used to getting colds and flus and that sort of thing, but the swelling was really odd. So it was a weekend. So I was able to go to bed for a couple of days. My husband took care of everything else. And I just figured I'd sleep it off. I'd feel better in a couple of days, but after a couple of days, it became evident I was not getting any better and we needed to make a trip to the emergency room. And so on the way, which the hospital is only half hour from here, but I needed to pull over and call the ambulance to get me the rest of the way because I stopped being able to breathe. Um, the last thing I remember was getting to the hospital and them putting an oxygen mask on my face. Um, I was in a coma for three weeks. And in that time, um, I had been diagnosed with flesh-eating bacteria, which is called necrotizing fasciitis. And basically it just is a bacteria that in my case had started with an ingrown hair. And it started to eat the inside of my body and impact my organs. Almost right away, the doctors had told my family, you know, you better say your goodbyes. She doesn't stand any chance of surviving this at all. And my husband, you know, we are a family of faith. We have a very strong Christian belief system. My husband looked that doctor dead in the eye and said, you know what? You don't know my God and you don't know what he's capable of. She's not going anywhere. And so he and the kids continued to have that belief. They prayed. We had our church family, people I don't even know that I'm still meeting that I have later, this was 11 years ago, back in 2011, that told me that they had been praying for me. And so hundreds of people were praying for me and I'm not clear on timelines as far as when I was in a coma. Um, I would probably have to say about 10 days surpassed. In that time I had five or six surgeries where they just kept trying to remove the bacteria but eventually, in order to save my life, they had to amputate both hands and both feet. And so, yeah, so when I woke up from a coma, I woke up with bandages where my hands and feet had been. And there was one point, though, that I do remember that the doctors, it was a medically induced coma, and they turned down the medication enough to wake me up to tell me this was coming because I had no idea what was going on. You know, I was sleeping for three weeks, having a good old time. And uh, in the meantime, all of this horrible things were taking place in the life of my family. Um, the doctor and my husband were standing by my bed. They woke me up and said, you're not going to make it unless we do this. And interestingly enough, they thought I needed to make that decision where I didn't even know what was going on. So I just said, do what you have to do. 
I'm not ready to go yet. I still need my family and they still need me. So lights went back out. I went back to sleep. And again, when I woke up, my hands and feet were gone and I was just, I had bandages. Um, I spent about three months total, uh, including a month of rehab before I was able to come home and try and start life as a quadruple amputee and be a mom and wife and carry on as if, well, I had hoped as if nothing ever happened, but as you know, things don't always go back the way you thought they would. That sounds like a lot to deal with uh, all of a sudden like that. How did it feel when you, uh, when you woke up with uh, your hands and your feet? You know, it's funny because a lot, I have lapses in clarity of a lot of what happened, obviously, because even as I was healing that three months, there's really only bits and pieces that I remember. Um, but I, I do remember not really not understanding what was happening. I knew that they needed to save my life. This was the method. Um, my very first memory was my prayer to God because I didn't know what life was going to look like as a quadruple amputee. I didn't know how to live without hands and feet. And I knew I needed God. And so I remember praying my favorite scripture. And when I have leaned on, I call it even my life verse, which is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And that just says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And that was my comfort first. That gave me peace and it gave me courage to just prepare for whatever was coming next. And of course, I was happy to be back with my family. They were glad to have me back. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a really crazy time. And it's just you know, just makes you realize that life just happens in an instant. Changes happen so fast that you just have to be thankful every day. Definitely. Um, and it's great to hear that you were able to experience peace and courage through those moments, but truly there were some down times. Were you ever angry at God? I can truly say no. I had a lot of questions. I am a huge question person. In fact, drives my family crazy because they can say, oh, look at outside. The sun is shining. I will say, yeah, but what's the rest of the week look like? There's always questions with me. And so um, I wanted to know why. Why did this have to happen? What did I do to possibly bring this on myself? Um, and what was I supposed to do with this? Where do I go from here? What happens to my business? What happens to my kids? 
How am I going to care for them? How am I going to be a good wife? Um, it didn't take me very long to realize that I hadn't really done anything wrong, but in my life, I have come to understand that things happen in our lives that aren't necessarily a result of what we do, but because or for the benefit of other people. So, and that became evident to me later on when I started writing about my story and people would comment on my articles and uh, email me and tell me what kind of impact my writing and my story has had on them. Because then it became evident that I needed to go through my illness and amputations so that I can be an encouragement and an inspiration for other people. And there's another scripture, it's in 2 Corinthians 1.4, and I don't have this one quite as memorized, but the basic concept is that God comforts us in our struggles so that we can comfort other people in theirs. And I've come to see that this has been my calling by God to use my story, my experience to encourage, uplift, coach, and guide other people. They don't have to be amputees um, because everybody struggles. Everybody struggles, but don't you want people who've been in the trenches before to be those, that person that just kind of comes by your side and picks you up and takes you along with them, you know? And so that's what my experience has been. It's given me an opportunity to be a greater witness for him. Um, and it's just been remarkable to me that people are encouraged by my story and the things that I write. That, that certainly is very comforting and encouraging for people who are kind of lost. How has your, how has your spiritual life changed uh, as a result of this? My spiritual life has grown. You know, it, I can't tell you that I bounced back right away. There was a period of time where I was lost. I did not know what to do with myself. I had lost my interest in the business that I was running at the time. Um, we were in a period where uh, my oldest son turned 18 while I was in my coma. And I had to pretty much break out of rehab to be able to see him graduate from high school. So things were transitioning in that way from home. And so as a mom who was just fully devoted to her kids, struggling with that and then having kids move on and leave home and all this stuff was just overwhelming for me. But I will tell you the it gave me an opportunity to grow my faith, grow my prayer life, um, 
spend more time in God's word. And my spiritual life has grown tremendously. All of us have grown spiritually as a result of that. Um, and it's funny because um, as I was, I, I call it my pity party, period, because it was just confused. What do you do when you don't have hands? I couldn't cook. I couldn't, I couldn't do laundry. I couldn't shop. There were so many things that I had just taken for granted for the longest time that I couldn't do anymore. And so what did that leave me? I spent a lot of time on the television just because it was bored. There was nothing for me to do. I could read and watch TV, right? And so my daughter, when she was 21, so it was just several years. It was about seven years of me just trying to figure life out. She came to me and said, mom, I want to go tubing down the river and you're coming with me. And you have to understand my family has never, ever seen me as disabled. If there was something I wanted to do, they knew I just, you know, I was going to do it. But when she invited me to do that, I thought she had lost her ever loving mind. And I said, are you crazy? What kind of sense does it make to put a woman with no hands and feet in a river, an inner tube and shove her down the river? Why are we doing this? She's like, mom, it'll be fun. You'll be great. I won't let you die. Let's just go have a fun day. And I think I was more panicked about that than anything else that had transpired up until then. But I agreed to go. And you know, it was one of those days where one thing after another went wrong and everything was difficult, but it ended up being one of the best days of my post illness that I've ever had. And it was eye opening for me because I raised my kids to believe that the word can't was a swear word. And, but yet here I was in my pity party saying, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And it was more because I just, I was afraid of trying. And so when we went tubing that day, I came to realize that I was so much more capable than I was given myself credit for. And when we were floating down the river, uh, we were talking about, because so many people had told me that I should be writing my story or start a blog or what have you. And I kept replying with, well, I'm no writer. How can I do that? I, I'm, I'm not interested in writing. But when we were in that tube, we had such a good time. We started to think about all the things that we could do, like other adventures, Wendy, the Quad Andrew T could go on and write about because I knew that if I had had the struggles that I was going through, there had to be more people. And they needed to know that it was okay and that they didn't have to be in their pity party forever. I just wish it didn't take me so long to figure it out. But it had to have been the next day that I set up my website and started writing about, started out as life is a quad amputee, but 
very quickly, I realized I didn't want to talk about that all day long. I wanted to talk about moving on. And so I pivoted a little bit. There are still amputee, kind of amputee life stories on my blog, but mostly it's about rediscovering God's joy and peace in the trials of your life. So uh, growing your faith, growing your gratitude, your joy, your positivity. And like I said, it's just been a wonderful blessing. That was four years ago. And I'm still writing and now I'm coaching. So it's been a wonderful adventure. I never could have imagined that I would be a writer. And um, God has blessed the entire journey. I'm glad you were able to find your, uh, find your way back or find your way to this new place. Um, I know you like to talk a lot about uh, gratitude and you just, you just mentioned it. Um, how important is gratitude and how do you teach gratitude or teach the practice of having gratitude to someone who's been through something traumatic? I think gratitude is immensely important. You know, it's easy to get stuck in our funky mindset. And the easiest way to, for me, has been to pull myself out of that would be, well, yeah, that stinks. But what do we have to be thankful for? I'm the guy that shows up in the middle of a Gadfest where everybody's complaining about what's wrong with the world. And that's my question. Yeah, but what's good in your life today? What are you blessed with? And so I'm a firm believer that finding blessings in any situation, whether it's good or bad, is important because, especially when you start writing those things down. And you've heard, you know, write down three or five things a day that you are thankful for. Because in those moments when you're feeling sorry for yourself or you're having a bad day and you don't know, well, how's this going to turn out? Then you can go back and look at those things that you've written, see those blessings, which truly most of them you could consider as answered prayers and see how God has worked in our lives so that we can rest on his promises that he says, tells us in the Bible, but also see how he's worked in our own lives. And so gratitude is just, I think it's an awesome tool for any type of situation where you need to, uh, I call it changing the channel. You know, if you don't like what you watch, you change the channel on the television. Well, if you don't like how your day is going, changing the channel by just redirecting your thoughts to something more positive or your blessings has the same effect as just manipulating the remote control. So how I teach it is start one blessing at a time and it's 
it's easy to get wrapped up in the same, well, I'm thankful for my, my family, my home, my house, you know, those kinds of things. But when you stretch it a little bit and say, well, okay, forget all that stuff. Now you've got to dig deeper. What is the best conversation you've had this week? Or when was the last time you uh, were able to impact the life of another person? Because those are good blessings too, which also I consider serving other people part of the process. Because if you think about it, when you're having a bad day and you go and help somebody else, whether they're worse off than you are or not, you're still serving them. Your mind is on them. And we tend to forget about what's wrong in our world. It's a very healthy tactic for getting out of that negative mindset. A lot of that negativity we see in the world comes from, I guess, feeling like we're, we don't have enough or we aren't enough. Yeah, I would um, say that. Um, so then I guess you would you say that it's possible to experience peace and joy um, amidst chaos? I would. And, you know, it's not easy. It certainly is not easy. And from my perspective, I believe it comes from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and I believe that there is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a surface level emotion that can change at any given moment. You know, uh, somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic or I don't know, the dog bites us <laughs> or whatever. Um, it can change instantly. But when you have that joy that comes from the Lord, you know that you have eternal security. You have that relationship with the creator of the universe. So when the dog bites us, it's so minimal compared to just what our eternal life looks like and our having that relationship looks like. So that's where my joy comes and also peace, you know, um, there are many scriptures in the Bible that talk about peace coming from the Lord. And I think joy is mentioned like 155 times. If I remember that correctly, I'm not great on statistics, but, you know, and the book of James says, count it all joy when you fall under divers temptations, because then the trying of your faith works patience and growth and ultimately gets you to a point where you have spiritual maturity and that spiritual maturity and that gives you that peace and calm. And so. He goes on to say, if you struggle with that, 
then we have a heavenly father we can go to and ask for wisdom about it. So um, peace and joy is a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. And so when I'm coaching people, that spiritual growth is part of the journey. That's great that uh, you've been able to find peace. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, the coaching program that you operate and um, what it involves. Well, truly, honestly, I am in, this is the beginning of the pivot. So I have a foundation. I'm going through certification right now. Um, I offer one-on-one -on -one and group coaching. And I also have a free Facebook group where um, people can get to know me a little bit better and see if they like me. <laughs> but it's fun. It's called Women Living Exceptionally with Joy and Jesus. And, you know, we talk about spiritual growth and overcoming challenges and gratitude and joy and positivity. It's fairly small, um, but it's a good group of women. You mentioned that you also have uh, a book and a blog. Do you want to tell people about that? Mm -hmm. uh, my blog is called One Exceptional Life, and the, the it's oneexceptionallife.com. And I actually have a shop on that page where I offer digital products. One of the things, uh, one of the very first things I wrote when I started writing, it's, a, it's called Victory Over Affliction, 30 Days of Mindset Challenges to Motivate You. And it's kind of a 30-day devotional where I share my favorite scriptures or quotes and then share a little devotional on each page. Um, I have things like a joyful living toolbox and a Bible study and prayer guide called Praying Through the Storms of Life. Um, I talk a lot about prayer in the storms and working through obstacles, you know, the storms of life. Um, and I also have a free PDF. It's called the five-step guide to unlocking peace in the midst of, I renamed it. It used to be in the midst of chaos, but it's unlocking peace in the storms of life. I think I need a new uh, headline. <laughs> They're all having to do with the storms. But, you know, we all face storms every single day. And I feel like whatever I can do to lighten the burden for folks. I like creating those products and uh, I like to offer them to people. That's awesome. Uh, most of us in the disability community can definitely use resources like that. And I'll include links uh, to uh, the books you have in the show notes. Um, before we go here, is there anything you're working on, any projects coming up that you want to let people know about? 
and uh, how do they reach I am working on taking my five-step guide for unlocking peace and either creating it into a challenge or a workshop. Haven't narrowed that down yet, but it will be a freebie. Um, the best way to reach me would be on Facebook, whether on my personal page or my business page, which is facebook.com slash one exceptional life. Um, I know that you have those links also. Um, yeah, I'm open to talking to anybody that needs a little encouragement and wants to share their story with me. Well, thanks, Wendy, for taking the time to speak with me today and share your story. Um, I'm hoping that a lot of people get encouragement from it. Um, but I should let you go and uh, have a great day. Thank you, Mark. I am so thankful to be here with you today. Bye. Bye. What did you think of this episode? Let us know by leaving a comment below.